Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. I'm going to read from Hebrews 10, 19 to 25, and if you wanted to find it in your pew Bibles, it's 1208. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most high place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body, And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we professed, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how we we may spur one on another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as so we are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Morning, everyone. I greet you all in the name of Jesus, but I also bring greetings from a small little coastal village in South Africa called Kids Beach, where we gather every Sunday, just like you, to worship our same wonderful Lord and Saviour. But it's so good to be here today. I'm really so impressed. I mean, I've got in front of me screens and uh, everything is so impressive. I'm quite intimidated by coming to this, this sort of gathering I was really worried that maybe the intellectual level here was so high, I'd, be in prob- I'd have a trouble, prob- problems. But I was lucky enough to join the quiz teams on Friday night. <laughs> and even though one of your quiz teams managed to come third, the rest of us managed to bring it down to a very normal level. You, some of you might even remember this. <laughs> Don't worry, it's, it might be funny for some people. But it's not a, if I had to explain it to you, it wouldn't make much difference. But I really wanted to bring you a video of all the King's Beach people, group about this size, waving a greeting to you. But um, technology let me down. My, I'm a bit inhibited in technology, but what really let me down was I forgot to take the camera out. <laughs> I think it must have something to do with my age. And I, I tend now to look back to those younger days, to the better days. Do you remember Bruce Springsteen called them? Glory days. I don't know how many remember that song. Let's date ourselves. There you are. That's good. The glory days. Looking back to the days when everything was just a little bit better. Tell me, do you ever spiritually look back to your glory days? Back to the the better days. You know, like businessmen look back to the times when they made big profits. And churches looked to the time when they were chock-a-block full. And marriages sometimes look back to the times when there was more passion and enthusiasm in the relationship. Do, do you possibly sometimes look back to the days when you were on fire for Jesus and realize that that fire is now maybe just a barely flickering flame? Do you sometimes remember what it used to be like and realize that the spiritual highs seem to be gone and actually you're just kind of living going through the motions that you're running on empty always running on empty 
Now, I really don't know much about motor car engines, but the guys who do know about it have explained to me that if you run your motor car on empty all the time with just enough fuel to keep you going, what's going to happen is that the car is going to eventually splatter and stall even though there is fuel in the tank. And the reason this happens is because the fuel at the bottom of the tank is full of, it's sludgy and dirty. And what happens is that it, 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 the sludge eventually goes through the, the fuel pipe and the filters clog up. You know, that's exactly what happens in our spiritual lives as well. When we run on empty all the time, pretty soon we're going to find we're running on sludge. And we're also going to splutter. And we're also going to stall. But God doesn't want us to go through life on an empty tank. God wants us to, be, to renew ourselves continually so that our tank's always full. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, is how do we do that? How do we make sure that we always are running on full. And the key is found in verse 22. Let us draw near to God. I want us to notice that it says, let us draw near to God. I mean, that's telling us that God has already done everything that he needs to do. He's done everything he can possibly do to open the way for us to have a right relationship with him. You know, this book of Hebrews is a book that is written specifically to Jewish Christians who were rooted in the Old Testament sacrificial system. And that's why when we read Hebrews, I think sometimes we struggle a bit because we actually don't understand that system, so we don't always understand what he's talking about. But the point he's particularly making here, strongly making, and wants us to know is that Jesus' death on the cross has replaced that old sacrificial system. Jesus has paid the price for our sin once for all, not like they had to do it all the time. Jesus is the Lamb of God. We don't go and buy a Lamb of God every time we go. His blood paid the price for our sins past, present, and future. That's the foundation of our faith. Jesus' death on the cross has opened the way for us into God's presence, opened the way for us to have a right relationship with him through faith in what he has done. We don't earn it. We don't achieve it by the good works we do. It's something that we accept and receive through faith. And I think all of us understand that it is by grace we are saved through faith. But unfortunately, so often in our Christian walk, as time goes by, we end up wanting to kind of change the terms of this agreement, this covenant. Change it to God will continue to accept us on the basis of how well we behave, our good behavior. And this isn't something that has only happened in the newest generation recently. I mean, Paul, in one of his oldest letters, in Galatians 1 and verse 6, he said, I am astonished that you 
are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace, to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. That is the gospel of works through, uh, uh, gospel of works instead of grace. I mean, Paul carries on. In, in verse chapter 3, he says, You foolish Galatians, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law, by the works, or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? We've got to get our minds clear on this. Our life in God, not just our salvation, isn't based on anything we do. It's based on what Christ has already done for us. God has done all that is possible for him to do for us to have a right relationship. The blood of Jesus has bridged the gap between heaven and earth, bridged the gap between God's holiness and our sin. He's done all that's necessary. The point of this verse is the rest is up to us. Let us draw near. He's asking us to take the next step. The ball's in our court. Please let's get our minds around this. We are as close to God as we want to be. Can I say that again? You are as close to God as you want to be. I used to think that to get close to God, I must do more good works. Uh, I must read more books of the Bible. I must memorize more verses. I must give more money just to get, stay close to God all the time. And of course, all these things are good things. But they are just destinations on the journey. They're not the fuel that drives the engine. When we try to use our works, our good works, to fuel our spiritual lives, we are going to find ourselves running on empty all the time. And what little fuel we do have is full of sludge. The real fuel of the Christian life is right there. Let us draw near to God. It's in his presence that we are renewed, that we are refreshed, that we are revitalized. I mean, tell me, what makes a good marriage? Is it that the wife keeps the house wonderfully tidy and the husband always cuts the lawn? Is it that the wife's a wonderful cook and the husband's a good provider? Now, obviously, these things would never hurt a marriage, but they are just destinations along the way. They are not the fuel. The real fuel of a good marriage is when we draw close to each other and we share emotional and spiritual intimacy. It's the same in the spiritual life. We don't find our strength in the good works we are doing we find our strengths in our intimacy with our Father as we draw near to him. And you know, since something we must never forget, since the door 
is open all the time. Remember the, 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 the curtain was ripped from the top to the bottom. We have this access, we have this opportunity of drawing near to him all the time. That means, as we said, we can be as close to God as we want to be. With that in mind, I'd like to look at just three guidelines which Steve May drew out, and he, they all start with S. So hopefully you'll be able to remember these three guidelines of how we can ensure we are running on full all of the time. The first guideline is that we need to be as sincere in our motives as we can be. We need to be as sincere in our motives as we can be. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. That, that qualification is actually quite intimidating. You know, it means that our motive for seeking a closer walking, walk with God, is it that we just want to be with God or is it that we want the blessings that flow from it? Do we want more of God or do we want more blessings? Do we want to experience his presence or we do we want his help for us in the problems that come along in life? We need to make sure that our motive for wanting to draw near to God is because we want more of God. And of course we're human. None of our motives will never be completely pure. There'll always be an element of self-interest in, in, in our motives. But I still believe that we need to do a heart check, a, a, a gut check, a, a soul check. We need to ask ourselves, what is my true motive for wanting to draw near to God? Am I drawing near to God because I want him? Some parents might relate to this, won't they? Their children only contact them when they want something. That happens in marriages too. You hear spouses say, the only time he or she ever pays attention, is affectionate, is when they want something. And I mean, that's not the way to build a strong relationship. We all know that. We need to be as sincere as we can be in our motives when we draw near to God. That's the first S. The second S. We need to be as serious as we can be about the call to holiness. As serious about the call to holiness as we can be. Let's read that whole verse. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. He's talking about holiness. He's talking about us becoming more like Jesus. Later on in, in verse 26, he says this, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sin is left. Wow. You know, when I first read that, I'd been a Christian for about six months. I was completely shattered because I was still sinning and I was sometimes doing it on purpose. So that meant to me, I'd blown it. 
And I think when people read that verse, I'm talking about verse 26, even today, lots of people think, oh, gee whiz, that's really, I've blown that. But I don't think that's, I don't believe that's the message this guy is trying to get across to us there. The point he's making is not we've blown it. The point he's making is don't blow it. Don't fall away. Don't stop trying to become more like Jesus through the power of the Spirit. Don't stop trying to become holy. He's saying Jesus' sacrificial death is something that we must take seriously. Let's also take, we also must take just as seriously his call to holiness, to becoming more like Jesus in our daily living. Let's just think about that. The only sacrifice for sin that there is, is the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if we don't take that seriously, we've got no other options. There is no other way we can find forgiveness. There's no other sacrifice for sin except the sacrifice of Jesus. And if that's not enough to make us take seriously being holy, then nothing ever will. Now, I told you that when I, when I read that after six months, it shattered me because I was still sinning. Hey, folks, <laughs> I'm still sinning. And it's still sometimes the same things I was struggling with back then. You know, if it was true that my relationship with God was based on me achieving a holy life, well, then I'd be in serious problems. If my acceptance by God depended on me and my own good behavior, I'm in serious trouble. But God accepts us not based on the price we can pay. He accepts us continually as we are going on our walk based on the price that Jesus has already paid by his precious blood on the cross. And what price did he pay? He paid it all. And that's why we must take the call to holiness seriously. Not to earn God's favor, but so that we can become more like him. When we draw near to God, we need to ask ourselves, Am I serious about walking the walk? Am I serious about talking the talk? Am I serious about living the life to the best of my ability through the power of the Holy Spirit? Or am I just trying to be religious? We need to be as serious as we can be about the call to holiness. That's the second Thing. The third thing, sincere, serious, the third S, we need to be as stubborn in our commitment as we can be. As stubborn in our commitment. Could we just move on to verse 23, please? Let us, thank you, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. He's talking about stubborn determination, stubborn commitment, about hanging on for dear life to the hope we have in Christ. And the reason he is telling us that this is important is because, folks, there are going to be days when that's all we have. 
There are going to be days, there might be even months, when all we have is the hope that God is at work in our lives and that he will do all he has promised. In other words, there are going to be times, days, when we just don't feel it. We don't feel saved. We don't feel God's presence. We don't see the blessings coming our ways. And that's when we have to hang on stubbornly and seek God anyway. I think one of the biggest mistakes we often have in the Christian walk is we believe that by drawing near to God we are guaranteed an emotional payoff. Look, that can happen. and often does happen, but it's not guaranteed. Sometimes we are going to draw near to God and we won't feel anything. Sometimes we are going to lay our burdens at his feet and we won't feel the burdens lifted. And that's when we need to hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. It isn't about our feelings. It's about our faithfulness. And of course God's faithfulness because as he says, he who promised is faithful. So we need to, when we draw near to him, we need, need to draw near with stubborn commitment because we want him more than anything else, more than we want an emotional high. The Christian life isn't about feelings. We need to be as stubborn in our commitment as we can be. Do you remember how in James 4 verse 8 we are told that when we come near to God he will come near to us. He's saying the same thing I've been trying to emphasize today. The balls in our court. We can be as close to God as we want to be. But it's up to us to draw near. It's, up to, it's our move. Because when we draw near to God, sincere in our motives, when we draw near to God, serious about holiness, when we draw near to God, stubbornly committed to hold fast, our tanks will be consistently full. We won't be running on empty. We won't be running on sludge. In fact, we'll be overflowing with the power of the presence of God in our lives. So what I want to suggest, that we make an effort this coming week, every morning, to spend as much time as we can drawing near to God, moving our hearts in his direction, saying, Lord, I want more of you you in my life. Nick, I know mornings are chaotic times. Even retired folks like us find them chaotic, so I don't know how your mothers handle it. But we, let's try and spend as much time as we possibly can in his presence, worshipping him, singing worship songs, singing hymns, telling him we love him. Draw near. To him. 
I'm going to ask us now, as we draw near to the throne of grace, to sing the next song prayerfully. Stay seated the first time we sing it. And sing it, we sing, Abba, Father. How is God our Father? He's our Father because Jesus has opened the way. And now we can, even though he's holy and we're sinful, we're clothed in his righteousness, we can come to our Father. Abba, Father, let me be yours and yours alone. May my will forever be evermore your own. Never let my heart grow cold and empty tank. Never let me go. Abba, Father, let me be yours and yours alone. We'll sing it once, seated. Vicky will play it once as we prayerfully allow the Spirit to minister to us. And then I'm going to ask us all to stand and sing it once together. So let's sing that in a prayerful way now. Thanks, Vicky. Mm -hmm.